played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. All right, thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network. Where the purpose of the podcast is to make me money. And I say that because so many people are disingenuous about what they're doing. They're saying we're doing it for the people. Like Zaid, who won the Kentucky Derby, said, I'm doing it. I'm doing this for the people. I'm winning. No, you're doing this, right? So you can sell the horse for studs fees for millions of dollars and win the Kentucky Derby. That's why you're doing it, right? Uh, so it's about transparency and authenticity. And I hate just hate, I'm getting old now. So I hate listening to people who are inauthentic, who aren't keeping it real because as uh, COVID and Omicron and everything else will tell you, uh, time is the only thing you can't get back. So you can't waste uh, your time on just entertainment. And if you own a business or you have kids, you should have at least three revenue streams, right? You have, you have to have at least three different ways where you're making money. You know, I've been fortunate, lucky, and good. And one of the ways for the last 13 years is betting on sports, sports betting. My wife, Anna, has not bought gasoline since 2011. It's almost 12 years uh, of non-betting dollars. It's paid for my vacations. Uh, it's paid uh, for a lot of things. God knows why. So that is the purpose of the podcast. In every single podcast, has to have a purpose and an outcome. And an outcome is that over the last three years, we have almost 1,600% ROI. What that means is that by listening to the podcast and using our process, you have 15 times more money than when you started, right? 15 times more money than when you started. So we're proud of that. Also, we're also probably have 30 straight weeks of profit that you can't hear any other podcast doing that. And we're the ones to give you things we've learned throughout the years, 25 years. That's the other thing, too. I've been sports betting for 25 years. The last 13 years have been profitable. Now, after 25 years, we have 30 straight weeks of profit. 52.5% is break even. We're around 60% this year. We want to get to 65% for the year. That's what we've been every year. So to that end, uh, if you're the in business, if you're the smartest, toughest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. So I got two guys who are tougher and smarter than I am to help me pick games this year. And as crazy as it's been, we really should be at 20%. We're at 60%. So we'll get uh, first words, uh, Scott, then Chad. Well, first of all, Merry Christmas to everybody as we're coming up on the season. Um, you know, it's been a successful year so far. Not as successful as we want, but uh, if we can get that up to 
to 70%. That would, that'd be great. So again, listen to this podcast, listen to, to what we talk about tomorrow night. You'll get all the information that you need, um, more information than you need to go and place some bets um, at the window. So exactly. um, you don't need to go to action sports to get more data exactly. than what you get here on the podcast. Exactly. We got more than enough. Yeah. First words. Um, you know, n- another positive week. So, um, you, know, you can never complain about making money in, uh, in sports right. betting because it's, it's a very hard thing to do. Um, you know, definitely we all have a strive to be better and be the, be the best we can, you know, um, approach this competitively. Like, you know, we approach everything else in life and, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, go through the games that we got wrong because that is, um, you know, that's where we make the money and that's where my mind gets, gets thinking clearly and we can only learn from the games that we miss. So we got to be men and, and exactly. 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 this right. is a the philosophical podcast. We'll go more through the process. I call it the Renee Descartes podcast because Renee Descartes said a life left unexamined is not worth living. The means is you have to learn from your mistakes. 80% of the people in jail are people who have unresolved feelings, right? You have to feel the badness, the embarrassment, the horror of making a mistake. Where dad knows best. We're supposed to have all the answers. So when you don't, when you do something wrong, it feels bad. But you have to torture yourself so somebody else doesn't. And if you're always making an an excuse as a sports better as to why you lost the bet, you're never going to improve your performance. That's why improving my performance every year for the last 13 years have profit. Now I'm having profit every single week. This week's been nuts with COVID and everything else. It's been nutty. Coaches being fired right away and, and money being thrown around and, and people missing stuff and all kinds of craziness. We're still at 60%. 52.5% is break even. And more sports bettors are at uh, 20%. So we have a spreadsheet where we keep ourselves uh, accountable. And we check our thinking. So we'll go through all these games because we were fortunate. We only had nine wrong till last night. <laughs> but last night we had two wrong. So we're at, going into today's games, which I think I feel real confident about. Well, here's here's a question for you. Sure. Chicago scores that touchdown at the gun to end the game. Right. They don't kick the point. We would have pushed on that game had they kicked the point. Exactly. And I, and I was listening to Sirius last night on the Fantasy Channel, and that was a 15-minute talk about – them kicking the point and pushing and stuff like that. So right. we actually would have pushed on one of them had they just kicked the extra point like they usually do. So exactly. Um, and a half too. Yeah. That's uh, just it's bro, just that's cool. that's what we talk about. The the difference between that one play of winning, losing, or pushing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if there would have been one second left on the clock, they would have had to kick an extra point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, and you can go on and on and on. Uh, Robert Quinn is saying about that game. Check the rest. And, and why I'm calling it a miss, because I think we all had it, uh, the under. Mm-hmm. 
but we switched it up from the podcast, right? So at that time, we felt it wasn't over. So from now moving forward, because things have gotten so crazy, uh, what we're saying is, and we should add it to it. So uh, we're going to count certain games you bet right on Wednesday. You bet right on the sound of our voice bet. Hey, we bet this Sunday night when the lines come out. Other games, we're telling you if the line gets this point, then do this. Then we'll do a live stream last 30 minutes for games that we have identified <coughs> as last-minute games. This one we should have identified as a last-minute game. So that's why I'm counting it a loss. Yeah. But in reality, all, all three of us, we thought it and said this game's going to be under because of the COVID and the craziness that had gone on. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham should have caught that ball in the end zone. You know, fourth and goal, all those things. So it, things going to change on the North, you know, North Circuit. So now we'll go with the first loss. So we got so we're down to nine again. We, you got the Chicago game. So Chicago game. So if, what we do is use probability theory. You see back that red, yellow book. Decision science is what they use at Stanford, what they use for top 50 companies to make decisions. And it's probability theory. You identify the problem. You look at the different variables, eliminating variables and co-variables ensures the result. Then you use math. And then you rigorously apply logic. And then you come up with an answer. That's the process. All right. So we say the process, that's the process. Then we execute the process. Is it a bad pick or bad luck? Now, in probability theory, 20%. So when anybody says, oh, I guarantee you this is going to happen. What they're really saying is, based on their perception, that's that they're processing the information. There's an 80% probability that X, Y, or Z are going to happen. It's almost like you picking up your kid from school. You pick up your school, your kid from school up every day. No, you do it 80% of the time. What happens? The kid gets out early. The kid gets sick. Your grandmother asks you to run an errand, right? And one of the kids texts you that one of the parents that lives next door to you is taking them home, right? So yeah, you're doing your best to pick up your kid from school every day. But at the end of the day, if you tallied it, probably about 80%. So if I'm bidding on you picking up your kid, it will be an 80%. I can't, if you don't pick up that day kid for that any reason, I know it's a 20% luck factor. So we go to Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> uh, covering against another crazy game, San Diego. Uh, we went one and one in that game. Well, we missed, and I think it was a bad when I when I processed. I'm like, God, oh, that's a bad pick. I'm picking 2020, maybe 2022, but not 2021. This under no circumstances was going uh, under. Brandon Sally was to keep the game under control. He just doesn't have enough players, just to have enough staff. And every single game, the poor guy, he's breaking down mentally. Uh, these teams need to do what baseball does. They have a mental coach. Going back to uh, Fields, Fields, he knows how to pass it, but he threw it at those guys at the goal line because he panicked. He needs a mental coach, someone like Anna, who doesn't even like sports, that goes through the thing, okay, calm down, relax. Baseball has that. They have a non 
baseball person that's like a mental coach. Uh, Brandon Stanley for the whatever his name is, Staley, for the Chargers head coach, he needs somebody like that because he's breaking down mentally. He's like, it's tough. Every single game we play is a road game. We can't even snap the ball because the other teams start on vacation. What does that mean on vacation? That means I know when I was on vacation, go to the game, you start drinking all day. So you got a bunch of drunk, out-of-town fans not letting you snap the ball because they're going crazy when you have the ball. For every week, is like that. So a lot of details get missed. So that game was going over. Uh, and it was going to be a crazy division game. Teams were doing crazy things at the game to make it over. But we were correct. Kansas City was going to win that game. And, and Kansas City on the money line is a correct bet because we're eliminating a variable from success. So bad pick or bad luck, Scott and Chad. So it's bad luck for me because um, Derwin James for the Chargers was on Travis Kelsey. He had one catch, 14 yards. As soon as Derwin James got injured, Kelsey went off for 150-something yards and his touchdowns. So if Derwin James had not gotten hurt, there is no way Kansas City would have been as effective an offense in that fourth quarter as they were. So to me, it's bad luck because that one injury caused this game to go over. Had that guy stayed on the field, it definitely would have been an under, and the char- and the Chargers would have won won the game because I don't think Kelsey would have would have had the game in the second half that he did. So um, it's bad luck because of an right, injury. Right. I mean, you never want to you never want to blame an injury, but when you look at it, one catch for fourteen yards for Kelsey, the guy gets injured and goes out. He catches eight balls, whatever he caught for one hundred and forty eight yards or whatever, and two touchdowns. And he had that 69-yard uh, catch basically all on his own after the guy got injured and went out of the game. So um, so it's bad luck. To me, it's bad luck. Because right. I, I shared it on last year's podcast. I have a little bit more information on Jerome James than most people would have. You know, I've seen him in training camp. He's, he's not a reliable guy yeah. because of his lifestyle. Yeah, let me put it to you this way. He has a Calvin Ridley lifestyle. So you... When I heard he was doing so well against Kelsey, I'm like, okay, he's not reliable because what he's what he's done, and that's the sadness of this. Uh, as a young guy, the way he was recruited by his agents, because he really wasn't that bad until he got recruited by a certain type of agent. And <clears throat> what he's done to his body that you can't trust what do you think, Chad? Um, yeah, so uh Scott, did you did you pick the Chargers in this one? No, I picked Kansas City. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. We were all in Kansas City, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I think we did get a little lucky here with the side of Kansas City. Um, with that with that injury really, really worked in our favor. Um, you know, and then when a game goes to overtime, um, you know, just getting a touchdown like that to because we needed a touchdown for the cover. That was the only way we could get the cover. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I do think, do think there's, there's a little bit of luck factor there, but then I think in the, in the opposite, the total, I think was kind of unlucky where luck, luck worked against us there. Um, you know, it was like a four, 14 to 10 halftime score, something like that. Um, uh, pretty yeah. low scoring, yeah. uh, seemed to be an under game all the way in that first half. 
Um, I believe with, with five, six minutes left in the game, I think two touchdowns had to be scored still um, to get it over or get it tied up to go to overtime. So, um, you know, this, this one I'd say we had some luck work with us here on the side and a little unlucky um, on the total. You know, I ended up splitting anyways, one and one. Um, so, yeah, that, that's about all I got there. And, and I'll also say Staley did not coach a good game. He he just he just was was going for everything, fourth downs in any position on the field possible. So he didn't have a good game coaching. I thought he I thought he overcoached too much in that game. So and remember, this is a, a, a Greek mafia owned owned team. So they're gonna get the cheapest coach available. Yeah. Thanos has to keep kick up the tarpon spring, so you just don't have the money to pay for backups or anybody else. And again, it's, it's a coaching mismatch. You got Andy Reid. He's married to the game of football, right? Uh, two of his kids are dead. Well, one no, one of his kids committed suicide. The other kid is facing a long prison term because he was driving trouble. the Super Bowl. Yeah. Because his dad ignored him. He makes him an assistant coach, assistant linebackers coach. He wasn't really coaching. And he was drunk and high. He killed somebody driving to last year's Super Bowl. Because he neglects his kids. For us, a sports better is good because he has one more play than the other coach. We make money off him like we just did on the money line. But he loses a lot in the playoffs. Uh, the last two times, last two times he's been in the playoffs, he really should have lost. When he went to the Super Bowl, O'Brien loses. What, what was that, that score of that game? The game was like 40, no, it was like um, – 30, it was like 30 to seven in the middle of the second quarter when he went for that fake punt or something like that. So he should have lost because he puts all his, um, all his ships, puts them up front in division games. Doesn't hide plays for the playoffs. He hides them for division games. One game we all got wrong, we'll go to an Iranian Patriots expert, is the Patriots plus three. Bad pick or bad luck? Bad pick. Bad pick. The uh, I thought Belichick would have a better game plan against the Colts, and he didn't. And he put all his eggs in stopping Jonathan Taylor in that game, and it didn't pan out, and he had no place else to go. Once, once he couldn't stop Taylor. Um, Wentz didn't throw the ball a lot. Indianapolis is now on the – we're going to run Jonathan Taylor and we're going to try to get him an MVP. That's exactly what they're doing right now. Um, and Belichick's defense did not show up. I mean, yeah, they gave up 10 points in the second half. Yeah, they played better defensively, but they did not get off to a good defensive start. Um, and that, that cost them. So to me, it's a bad pick because both teams off the bye. Indianapolis is on a roll right now. They're trying to get to their division crown. Um, and, they, and Reich has realized, I need to run Jonathan Taylor more to win games and be successful and right. take the ball out of the passing game. And to me, Jonathan Taylor is, is, is one guy that's totally uncoverable. He is a stud running back. He's probably the best running back in the NFL. And the Patriots had no answers for him. No answers. And once that happened, there's no way they're going to win that game or cover it. Um, they got close late. And then he Taylor ran 67 yards. So... To me, it's a bad pick. I mean, we got the under right, which was great. Um, but we uh, 
we didn't get the side right. So I, I should have seen that. And, uh, you know, I researched you got the, the second half bet right. Yeah, yeah. And I researched that game a lot. And I, I knew that he was going to try to take Taylor out because that was the way to beat Indy. And they just failed. And once he fails at a, a certain defensive game plan, he has no place else to turn because he, that's, the, that's what he's put in practice all week long. We're stopping him. We're doing this. We're doing this. And then when it doesn't happen, he's like, uh-oh, I have no place else to go. So, Right. And, and it's, you know, old school sports betting, you always talk about getting the edge. What is the edge you had? So you being in New England helps us with New England games. Yeah. B, we made money on the game with the under and with the second half bet, right? Because yep. 66% is more than 52.5%. Uh, it's bad pick on my part as well. Because they needed to think it through. Uh, Frank Wright won the Super Bowl, an offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And everybody around him has not won a Super Bowl before or since. He won it with Nick Foles. He is the best, one of the best. He's as good as Belichick as a strategist. As good as Belichick is for defense, he is for offense. And he outcoached Belichick in this situation. But he knows how to do more with less. So with a roster that he has, a great strategy. His defensive coordinator is great, too. He used to be old school Missouri when Missouri uh, got to the SEC title with no players. The best player was a homosexual linebacker, Michael Sam. He was their best player to get to the SEC title game, right? Uh, the defensive coordinator was the defensive coordinator now in the Colts. So, uh, great defensive and offensive game plan. Yeah, I should have thought it through. And I said, well, you know what? Colts on the money line because uh, it's probably going to be a close game, but let's go Colts on the money line. That's what I should have done. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, no, totally. Um you know, this was a game we all – we look at the line here and, and the, the culture minus three-point favorites, and, you know, we all look at each other and, and we think the wrong team's favored. We can't – you know, we're, we're – um, Right. You know, though, so I think, you know, they were telling us something there and we had our own – We weren't know, listening. Typical we had, man, not listening. Exactly. We had our own arrogance to think, oh, we, we know this would be the other way. What are they doing? Um, and, and they, they you know, they, they – we, we didn't take that into consideration and um, everything you're saying is, is right on. And yeah, I think Colts on the money line, you know, it was going to be a close game, um, you know, but a primetime game at home, you know, Colts probably needed that one more than the Patriots. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a, he's a stud, he's a game changer. He's a guy that you can try to take away. He still might not be able to. So there's that too, but yeah, that's a tell I got for that game. And then you got to look at your biases, right? I went to the University of South Florida. So I root for Marlon Mack. You know, that guy took his job. Yep. 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 And then another thing, too, right? That's why Hawthorne Effect is so important. And not making excuses is so important. Because now, oh, I made money on the game. No. You see why you got it wrong to get that edge. Right, and the, and the, and the two teams that nobody wants to play in the playoffs, 
Miami, and Indianapolis. Nobody wants to play the Colts right now. Nobody. That's why the Patriots, if they could have beat them this week, would have put them in a in such a hole that they may not have crawled out. But now, I mean, yeah, he's I mean, a great coach. Reich is a great coach. Reich is a he, great coach. He, he, and and uh, and he's he's an Andy Reid guy. So what that means is. Uh, they're both Mormon, so it's Peterson, right? That's why they yep. got they got them in there all Mormon. They're all have seven, eight kids, they all ignore them, just focus on football. So he's as good a strategist as uh Andy Reid is. Yep. Right. All right. So next game we got wrong here is Miami minus nine. <laughs> Double-digit dog in the division, under 42, and the Jets team total. Uh, in the team total, we gave it out in the live stream. Yeah. For me, the minus nine is bad luck. It's two up through a, a pick six. And the Jets were doing ridiculous plays. They were doing triple reverses, triple reverse pass, fake punts, fake field goals, everything. Everything but the kitchen sink. What I am happy about is that I did get Miami's second half line. So this year, we talked about Edge has been those second half lines. Cheap teams. And again, we'll go over the cheap teams. Automatic. Colts, Jets, Giants, Lions, Bears. All those teams bet against the second half line. I didn't do it with the Bears because I, I thought the Bears were going to score points. Uh, but minus the Bears, they all hit Colts, Jets, uh, Giants, except for the Lions, stayed off the Lions because they were looking good. So I ended up being 3 and 0 second half Lions. And that saved me from having a zero on this game because you can't divide by zero. It was a bad decision by me by not saying, hey, uh, in the heat, Two bad teams because I still think Miami's bad because I do watch them and listen to them. I think they, they're just the teams they played are worse. Yeah. And Boyer has done a great job, whatever his name is, a defensive coordinator. And Flores doing those uh, midseason adjustments he does. Uh, I should have I said, okay, this is going over. Uh, Jets team total, they don't get there without that, that to a Pick six. So that two up pick six miss a lot. So I say one Miami minus nine. This is what I'm thinking. I should have not. Sometimes in stocks, they say don't try to time the market. I'm going to be suspicious of myself picking two out of three double digit dogs. I know that at least two of them are going to hit because double digit dogs are 50% this year. I know in a, historically they've been 80%. Doesn't mean it's going to happen this year, right? So you don't bet it blindly. But I'm going to say, I'm just going to blindly going to pick all three of them. And I know that two out of three are going to hit. And that's 66% double-digit dogs in the division. So I, I shouldn't have tried to uh, outsmart myself and overthink this and go Miami minus nine. All right, we'll go Scott and Chad. 
So before I begin, let me, they're on a uh, six-game winning streak right now. Here's the teams yeah. they've beaten. Houston, the Ravens, the Jets twice, the Panthers, and the Giants. They haven't beaten anybody. They haven't Nobody. beaten anybody. And they no. haven't blown – and they haven't – they scored 17 against Houston, 22 against Baltimore, 24 against the Jets. They scored 33 against Carolina, 20 and 31. So they haven't played anybody in the last six weeks. And they haven't really – lose on purpose. Yes, and they haven't beaten anybody. The next three games are the Saints, the Patriots, and the Titans at the Titans. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs for number one. Number two, their defense is totally overhyped. They're not as good as people have given them credit for. The Jets basically came out and threw, threw a, a, a huge haymaker punch at them by doing all this stuff and got up 17 to nothing. And then Miami had to spend the whole game coming back. And that's why the second half line hit because of the heat, because Miami knows how to play better in the second half. They make better adjustments at halftime than the other team does. The Jets were just happy they were even in the game or winning. They were excited. And then all of a sudden they said, "Uh oh, we're ahead. What are we going to do now? I didn't think they were going to score that many points, but those little gadget trick plays had them scoring all those points. So, um, to me, it's a bad pick when, especially what I just said and, and what you do on the sidewise. Um, they haven't blown anybody out basically, and they haven't scored a lot of points. And the Jets allowed them to score a lot of points because, as I said in the podcast the other night, the fantasy wise, where that's my other world, the Jets give up a lot of production to every position on the field. And they did in this game too, as well. It, it panned out. So, um, you know, bad pick on all across the board for me, except for the second half line with Miami. So, uh, so that's my thought. Yeah, no, hundred percent. What are your thoughts, Chad? You know, I was I was leaning on a podcast. I was kind of leaning Jets, double digit dog in the division. I kind of sat on it all week. Talked to you guys that morning of. And you guys are still like the Dolphins going Dolphins. Um, you know, I, I thought this was going to be a closer style game. I really, you know, and I, I didn't stick to my guns here. But I think sometimes it's a hard, one of the hardest parts of sports betting is, is know to, knowing when to stick on it and when to listen to the information and switch. It can be, you know, a, a pretty hard thing to decipher. So here I just I, – I really think I should have stuck stuck with the with the double-digit dog trend here. I, I really – Felt like it could it could have been close, um, you know. But yeah, the second half line was a great pick. That uh, those second half lines have been so money for us this year. Um, and yeah, man, the 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 uh, the, the, the Dolphins are just I just they're not a team that can be can be trusted with a nine point nine points right now being given that many points um, to cover that. I just they're just. They're just not not that type of team, and um, anytime you know they're they're fit. and and in the division as well, you know it's a in, it's an in division game, um, which is just gonna I feel like lead lead to a closer game in general um, than something that's that's maybe less important and out of division that can maybe get out of hand or or um, so yeah that's that that's all I got there. And they and they won't be favored the rest of the year. There's the, those three games they got left at New Orleans, at Tennessee, and against the Patriots. They won't be favored. 
they'll be underdogs. So, right. And, and the thing about the podcast, though, is that nobody has a starting point. You had a starting point, and we're all busy. You had a starting point in that game. <laughs> Most people are starting from scratch. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of the podcast. And you alluded to one of the greatest songs of all time they'll play. And it's uh, a song that's really about life. So it's one of the best songs about life ever as well. Go. On a warm summer's evening, <laughs> I met up with a gambler. But we took time to sleep. So we took turns to stare out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I made my life out of reading people's faces, knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes. So if you don't mind saying, I can see you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you something. Here we go. That's what Chad went through. So I handed him my bottle, drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette and asked me for the light. And the night got deathly quiet. His face lost all expression. Said, if you're gonna play the game, boy, you gotta learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count when the demon's done. All right. So you got to know what to do to those digit dogs and not to do it. Where to hold your guns with what we're saying and what our opinions are and when to go with our opinions. Yeah, but right. here's the thing. Any better goes to the window, looks at the right. point spread and says, really, I'm going to bet the Jets to, to cover that spread after all. You know, that's the right. hardest thing to do is, is stand right, at right. the window and say, I'll take the Jets plus 10 or whatever. I mean, yeah. that's it's really hard to do that. No, so. Yeah, no, it's hard to do, but I would have done it, and I have done it in instinct right, like when right. I met the Jaguars in London. Against yeah. the Jets of all. Yep. Because yep. I knew the owner was from London. And then Urban Meyer, probably, that was the best game plan he's ever had in his, in his uh, pro career. Yeah. Was that uh, London game. You're bidding the Jaguars. And this is the other thing, too. Right? Robert. Uh, on Twitter. Because of him, we're 9-5 and five against the spread yep. in line, Detroit line games. So we've gone up to the, we've been the the it's been the consensus pick here. It's been my pick. Uh, you know, let's see, nine five, nine divided into fourteen is sixty two percent, sixty four percent on Lions games. Fifty two point five percent is break even. So we've been profitable on Lions game, having the courage. To bet them because remember these are professional teams. Then you go into something Chad and I have talked about, which is marginal utility. There's very little difference between the first round draft pick. What after you get up out of the first round, there's very little difference between number 34 and number 600. Right? 
There really is. So you got to see double-digit dogs in the division. That's going to cover at least three times this week. So with me, I'm almost going to bet it blindly, but I'm just going to take all three and not try to outsmart myself unless something jumps at it. Yep, exactly. You know? That's and the then, key. It's, it's not yeah. – we tried to nitpick. We, we said two of the double-digit dogs are, are going to hit this week for sure. But we're right. gonna try to pick the one that isn't. Right. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. We have a crystal ball. We're so smart. <laughs> yeah, we got to do <laughs> Right. No. Yeah, and then the other thing about what uh because he died this year, man. Kenny Rogers. So uh, when he talks about you never count your money while you're sitting at the table, right? We tell people, we told Jason, don't walk around. With all this cash at the sports book. Yep. Because somebody's watching you who can't pick games. Right. And they'll try to rob you. Have them send you a check and just have enough to tip the cashier and tip the waiters and people some cash they don't have to pay taxes on. But don't fuck around with somebody did that. And I was like, come on. And I immediately said, listen, go to that window, the customer service, and win on court. And have them convert that into chips and have them write you a check right away and leave enough cash for dinner, cash the cashier. Don't walk around with $10,000 in your pockets, man. <laughs> you know, it's like the executive uh, for the pro football team that I went to dinner with and they brought their Super Bowl ring with them. I mean, the ring's worth a million dollars. Yeah, I'm glad Chad wasn't there with that 440 speed. <laughs> Chad would have been gone and freaking uh, Scott would have been there with the car right in front. And 440 speed, bam, gone. <laughs> he had the same outfit he has now. The cameras won't catch him. <laughs> the mask, glasses on. 440 speed, hightailing it out of that restaurant. With a Super Bowl ring worth a million dollars. You know what I mean? Yep. Invested on our picks. You'll be doing good. <laughs> All right. So never count your money when you're sitting at a table or walk around the casino sports book with 10,000 bucks in your pocket using a lot of picks. Denver money line over 44. The Denver money line, uh, I was listening to that game and I was listening to the Denver radio. Uh, I said it on the podcast many times. Teddy Bridgewater should not have played after his first two concussions this year. Uh, he should not have been playing, and, and it was it's it's horrible. Andrew and all those people, uh, they're just selling the team now. So if it is Peyton Manning, the strategy changes because I I have seen them their strategy change a little bit, where they're going for it a little bit more. They're actually trying to make the playoffs. I think they asked the ownership group, hey, do you guys want to make the playoffs? Is more travel costs? And they're like, oh, you know, rookie owners. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll be the road team for the playoffs. You know, try to be the good guys. Because the NFL does have to choose them. So maybe they felt pressured to say, oh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll do the travel costs for the playoffs. Denver. So I've seen them more go, kind of go for it. I don't blame the money line. The money line was there. I think Case Keenum is actually better. I feel better with Case Keenan betting Broncos than I do Teddy Bridgewater. 
because Teddy Bridgewater's there for taking the safe route. Um, case, uh, not Case Keenum, whatever his name is. Uh, Drew Lock. Drew, Drew Lock. They look exactly the same. They both went to uh, that same area. Uh, case Keenum from Houston. Uh, Drew Lock is from Missouri. So that same type of Big 12, throw it all the time. They ran the same offense in college, and they look the same. Uh, he takes more chances because of that, right? He's used to throwing in 100 times a game, all the yardage and stuff. And I like his attitude. He's, he's chilling as, as a quarterback. So I don't mind that. This game was going under the whole time. Nah. Uh, that part I should have got. Big Fangio had Terry Bridgewater in for that, right? To not take chances. He wants to put it on the defense. And, to, and then he's facing an Andy Reid guy. The force says, hey, I get a lead, and you're going to put it on the defense? Fine. I'm not going to take any chances either. Joe, you're my co-offensive coordinator. Don't take any chances, man. Just uh, – now we got to get a lead. Don't go to crazy, uh, crazy uh, Demar Chase anymore. We're gonna run Mixon till his legs fall off because this is Denver, and we want to save our defense's legs. We don't want to put them on the field with this altitude. We want to save their legs, keep the ball as long as possible, uh, snap the ball with four seconds left. What do you think, uh, Scott and Chad? I got the side right in Cincinnati, um, but the over-under I got wrong. And it's simply a matter of this. Denver's cornerbacks held Cincinnati's two receivers, and Cincinnati could have the two best combination of receivers in the NFL to three catches for right. under 30 yards. To me, that tells me that every time you look at a Denver Broncos game, you have to take the under right. because the, the wide receivers for the, for the opposing team are going to get shut down. They're not going to have success. So right. it doesn't right. matter. It, the only one that I would, I would hesitate on would be if they play in Kansas city. But other than that, um, I would look at the under really hard in any Denver Broncos games because Fangio's a defensive guy. He built that team with, with the in mindset of getting two shut down or very, very good cornerbacks. And he's got them. And that's, you know, that I underestimated that a little bit going into this game. And I agree with you, Bridgewater having those concussion problems should never have been out there playing because now he has another one. So I would strongly think that he, he could be shut down for the year at any time now. And it could be Drew Locke. And Drew Locke is a, is a serviceable. Well, he has to be shut down for the year. I, I yeah. wouldn't even watch it because I don't, I don't think it's right. I don't right. think Rich Butter should be out there. I mean, to watch him go, you know, out in a stretcher like that, yeah. it feels really bad for me because I remember him by himself winning a high school state title. Yeah. The Miami ghetto-ass high school he was at, it was just him and this one other dude. And there would be, you know, he just played phenomenal. He even threw one, one, one time. He had no line. And all these dudes were coming after him. And the one guy left, the guy he was covering, he switched hands and threw it with his left hand in the gate. 
I've never seen anything like that. It was like right. a one-man team, dude, to win the state title for Florida, you know, in Florida. So to see him on last Sunday on a stretcher after he hadn't been the same anyways after his first concussion. After yeah. I didn't know what it, it was a concussion. I was like, man, this guy's paralyzed. Right, right. You know, and then I go to Anna. I go, Anna, look at the guys in that stretcher. He's like, doesn't matter to me. Who, who did you bet on? Was he, Is he on the team you bet on? Go ahead, Chad. You know, I really screwed this one up. I missed both of these. I went 0-2, and, and so I had the, was the deciding factor for the consensus picks. But, yeah, what you guys are saying spot on. With Denver, you got to look at the under. Um, gosh, they've been such a, such an under team all year. I don't know why. They got the under right. They got the under right. You guys, yeah. both of you guys went with the over. Yeah. I uh, I don't know why I tried to outsmart myself here and uh, should have kept it simple and uh, stay with that under. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, the Broncos just really – they just – they lean on that defense so hard. Um, to 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 cover spreads and win games and, and stay competitive, and uh, it just they just didn't have enough offense here. You know, as good as that defense was, um, you know the ba- the Bengals were able to just just had enough offense there to uh, to squeak that one out. Um, so yeah, and I, I had a definitely had a recency bias from last week with the Broncos. Um, I'm trying to think they had a home game. I'm trying to remember who they played. Uh, they were a heavy favorite against the Lions um, last week. And, and uh, we were on the Lions, and the Broncos ended up covering that one. Um, I, had a little, I just had a recency bias from that previous home game the week before against the Lions uh, where they, I was wrong on them. And uh, I, that, that recency bias, so I definitely, I think, let that get in the way here of picking the Bengals. So. Yeah. 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 And I think Drew Locke is a good quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be able to put mid-20s on the board. I think he's a 17-point type of quarterback. So if the, if the over-under is in the 40s, you have to look at the under. Denver's going to probably go under the rest of the year now, I, I would think. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I, Denver's, Denver's under now. To know uh, not to do is not to know. Go ahead, Jack. I'll say, you know, Drew Locke has been known to push the ball down the field a little bit and uh, take some riskier throws. But I definitely think that having a defense like Denver has is going to make any quarterback play more conservative because yep. they know they yep. don't have to do that to win. Yep. You know, as long as they play it smart and, and, and can score enough, you know, they're going to be in the game where they don't need to make the big play. They're not going to feel that pressure because they'll be in the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Scott is right that Drew Locke is going to play a little more conservative even more conservative than we're used to him playing um, down the stretch here for the Broncos. Right. He wants to keep his job. He wants to look at it now. To know and not to do is not to know. So you bet against me on one, Chad, and then you bet one against <laughs> that. You were going to get both picks right. <laughs> if you do yeah. that, there is, there is like a – 80% chance you are going to get both picks wrong. Well, you know what it is, too, is, is like when you guys – yeah, when you guys are are, are are split, you almost know it's going to be, you know, 50-50. It's going to be a great game, right? That game could have gone either way. It was one It was one play game. Yeah. yeah. No question. No question. So, Denver is one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and three to the under. There wow. you go. There you go. That that that's it right there in a nutshell. I mean that's so, and this is another thing, right? They, they can't this podcast too. This is a true podcast because we have a narrative. We debunk myths and sports betting. So a myth is, and a myth in, um, from a technical standpoint, why technical analysis has never gotten anybody rich. Selling it, like David Tipper and Carolina, yes. Fundamental analysis has gotten people rich. So technical analysis will say that this is a rational market. So then when Vegas saw that, let's say midseason, right, that Denver was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. When they were six and two to the under, that they would adjust their numbers, right? They didn't. Yeah. Right? Because they know people are picking overs. And, and we got one of those overs when they played the Raiders at home. Yeah. Right. Yep. So we're huge. Yeah, we're huge on that's why we, that's you, um, why. We have 30 straight weeks of profit, which we, we go the other way right there. That book that's gator colors that are uh, blue and orange, predictably irrational. But we can predict that Vegas is not, sometimes they do change it. That's why you look at trends, look to go the other way. But you observe that, hey, Vegas has not adjusted yet to the Denver, every Denver game being under. Doesn't mean they want to adjust next week. It doesn't mean they're not listening to the podcast. And they're like, oh, I just heard on ESPC. <laughs> the Denver, under, you're going to have to adjust it. All of a sudden, we'll be down to 35 tomorrow night when we pick it. <laughs> right. But, you know, hey, they're listening. Uh, so that, that pretty much is all we got wrong into the Chicago game. So now that leaves us with uh, the two games today. Seattle Seahawks. This game, I think the crowd's going to be 50-50. There's a lot of Seattle people who went on vacation and they've been in L.A. all week. It's interesting to see how many had to go back, right? Because you got to go back to work or whatever. You can't tell your boss, oh, they postponed the game. So I'm not going to come back to work, adjust my vacation time. So who knows? But I anticipate, I don't know how many L.A. people are going to go down there. L.A. Rams. Uh, let me look to see what the line is now. I think it's still seven. Let's go. Go Vegas Insider. That's pretty good. That wasn't a lot of really wrong, not following the process. But there were a few in there. One game does make a difference. So still minus seven. Uh, I bought the half a point to make it seven and a half. And I got under 46. I got 47. Now, now it's at 47. Yep. I got so 47. 47 again. I'll do that because I like the under in this game. What game are you guys on right now? Seattle uh, and the Rams. Seattle oh, yeah. I already bet the under as well. Yeah, it's going under. Under 47. Yeah. 
is Pete Carroll second time against that. And then uh, Stafford, I don't know how long his body's going to last in this type of game because he's going to get hit. You're going to have to have his flat jacket on that kind of restricts his movement anyways. Uh, Pete Carroll does not adjust for a running quarterback. He might run once. Uh, you rush three and drop a zone blitz, right? You saw the zone blitz Sunday night. Todd Bowles and Dennis Allen's zone blitz confuses a guy like Stafford. It's an air raid offense. Uh, Cooper Cup is going to get pushed around by those uh, because that's the way Pete Carroll plays. That's why he's on the referees because he's going to commit pass interference up and down the line is whether the, the, the ref has enough courage to call pass interference on a Hall of Fame coach. Right? Seattle's a big mark. So that, I like the under, and I like for this to be a close uh, division game. They always split. Whoever wins the first game loses the second game. So I'll put a little uh, Seattle plus 270 on the money line. So I'm like Seattle money line. Uh, Seattle plus seven and a half. Seattle under 47. What do you think, Scott? So I think the Rams, you know, they've had a the couple extra days. They, they put a lot into the Arizona game last week because they needed, they needed to win that game to have any chance at the division and to be a high, a five seed in the playoffs at worst. So I think there's a little letdown coming here. I think um, Seattle is going to stay right in the game. It's going to be an under because Seattle's MO is what running the ball and Russell throws 20, 25 times a game. So I, I like Seattle with the points. I'm not going to bet the money line. I'm just going to take the points. Seattle with the points, and I'm going to take the under in this game. Mm, cool. Cool. What do you think, Chad? Uh, yep, same here. I'm uh, under 47, and I'm taking Seattle with the points. I uh, definitely definitely think this one's going to be a, a lower-scoring, close game here. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to hold – I already bet the under. I'm holding off on the Seahawks because I think we might see a seven-and-a-half here, and I can buy the half point up to eight. So, yeah. uh, waiting a little, little bit there. Yeah, just, I, mine, I got seven-and-a-half. Yeah, seven-and-a-half. I guess mine – I'm just getting a seven still, so I'm, I'm waiting for that seven and a half um, to show, and then I'm going to play it because I think it's going that way. So you got a seven and a half or eight already, but, yeah, that's what I like. All right, so the consensus pick, and it's still what you think they're on. The consensus pick is going to be Seattle Seahawks plus seven and a half, under 47. And that's what we said the other night. We were saying, oh, wait for this to come down. Or to go up. Because <laughs> it's been going up to 47. Yeah, it has been. From what it was early in the week. For no God knows any reason. Because Carroll is like um, Coughlin. With bad offensive linemen, bad running back. He still wants to establish the running game. And just run through that brick wall. 
three yards in a cloud of dust, three runs that uh, don't go anywhere. That's the next game. I'm going to look at the line in this one because there have been a lot of line movements. Well, I have a I have a site that I put on here behind the the Zoom thing. Yeah, it's got five different things. It's got MGM, FanDuel, Caesars, DraftKings, and points bet. DraftKings has the game the eight and a half minus eight and a half of Philly. The rest right. of them have it at seven and a half. Yeah. So if you're gonna if if people are apt to go to DraftKings, they'll get the eight and a half. That's where I would go because you're getting more points with Washington. So you know where I'm going with this. I'm going Washington with this game. Um, we'll go Washington eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I I got nine by about half a point to get it at nine. Okay. But what people can do that are listening to us, either on Podbean on the live stream, yep. they can get Washington at eight and a half. Yeah. And I would go the under. I think this, I think you, I agree with what you said earlier. This looks like a Vegas Browns type of game as last night. So this this looks like a defensive battle for both teams. So yeah, well you try to run your primo running back with a backup quarterback. Yep. And then you run to death and wait for the other team to make a mistake for Jalen right. Hurts to uh, airmail it. Yep. Don't forget the last time we saw Hurts on the field was against the Giants, and he had an awful game. So, and then he was hurt. So, right. You know, it's been two and a half weeks since he's played a game, so there's going to be some rust in there to knock off. Right. So that's going to put a, a slower start on this game for sure. No, hundred percent. 100%. Where's your thought, Chad? Yeah, no, I'm right with you guys. I've already bet this under, uh, about a half point under 41. And say I haven't I haven't bet the side yet just because, um, like you guys are saying, I know there's eight and a half out there. I'm getting a seven and a half right now. Um, so I'm trying to just – the line's been all over the place. I'm trying to see where it's going to go to. But, yeah, the, I'm, I want that eight and a half, nine. Um, that's where the market – that's, like, the best number on the market right now. So, yeah. Redskins plus eight and a half, plus nine all day. Um, I think it'd be a very low scoring, very similar to that to that Browns game last night, as Josh was alluding to. So I'm right there with you guys. All right, so the consensus pick is going to be your Washington Redskins plus eight and a half under 41. Uh, probably come back on like in 20 minutes when Jim comes on. But for right now, uh, I like where we're at, at 18 and 11. So 18 and 11 is... My mouth stops working. It's 18 divided into 29 is 62%. So we go three. So say we go three and one tonight. That that's a sixty. That's probably a sixty-five percent week right there. Right. Which which is really good. Which is really good. Yep. theoretically, if you're sharp, if you're sharp, you're at fifty-nine percent. Which we would 
59% is a low for us, right? What supposedly sharps are. Four and out would be? Would be phenomenal, would be great. And four and out would be 22 and 11. So 22 67, 67%. 67%, That's as good as you can get, right? Because you said probability theory, but then again, it would be, uh, well, you have to factor that in. Those three games we got wrong, that we should have gotten right, that's your luck factor there. Mm -hmm. So we, we process that. We process what our luck factor is to process the season. All right. So we will be back in 20 minutes with Jim's last game. Right. Last 67. word, guys. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, just keep listening to this podcast. If you want to make money, you got to listen to this. Don't like Josh says all the time. Don't go to Action Network. Don't go to those other other places. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and pay two two ninety nine or one ninety nine or whatever to get to get picks and think you're going to succeed because those guys don't put the whys and whiz behind behind their picks like we do. So. Right, and this is like a full podcast. This is an educational podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to fix yourself. You got to, yeah, the key is learning. You got to learn the why so you can do it on your own, right? I'm, I mean, I learned a lot from Josh, just the basis and teaching me how to get going. And every other person that, you know, I collaborate with, whether Scott or, or Jim, um, you know, you're always, but, but you know, when you, when you learn the process yourself, you know, something could happen to Josh. And I could continue to, to hit at this high rate, which I couldn't do before him or before I, you know, started learning and getting into this world. But the key is, is you can learn, teach yourself how to do this and pick these games the right way and, and do it for yourself, you know, and keep collaborating, growing, growing your circle and the people around you that are, that are you know, because the, the more people you get doing at a high level, the better your percentage is going to get. Give me three guys that are hitting 65% on their own. I guarantee you they hit 70 to 72% when they're all together collaborating. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, no, and then, and then, uh, cause I'm in this message with some guys who do really well and they hit 70%. And one guy said, how many of you guys watch the game alone? And all of them said, pretty much all of them are like, yeah, we, we all watch the game alone because, you know, I started screaming, um, you know, there's you know, money involved, you know, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And I'm like, the only times I watch game alone, I'm still getting texts about big plays that are going on. And people are texting me for the second half line. <laughs> I'll get 10 texts for the second half line or people saying, oh, I just bet a double-digit double dog in the division or whatever. It's collaboration, right? Collaboration in sports betting is done more than anything else. And you see that tennis player that's being coerced by the Chinese? Chinese say that communism is better than capitalism because we don't know how to collaborate. We compete against each other versus collaboration. Yeah, and I'll give you one more one more word. Don't ever second guess your bet. Put the bet on a piece of paper, go up to the window and make that bet. Don't halfway up to the window say, well, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I think I'll go the other way. Don't ever second guess yourself. Right. Just go up there, make the bet, and put it put it in the hands that the the game and we're gonna we're gonna lead you in the right direction, lead you to money. So exactly because the process is probability theory, 
Let's yep. use the original corporations. All right. So, like Chad said, or like Scott said about action sports, you get 10 times more by giving and getting. So, close for now, Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make your life from what you live. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the ESPC Podcast Network with the emphasis on N for the network. All right. All right. We're going to do a bonus section of the live stream and podcast. So if you are the strongest, smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. So since things have gotten really crazy out here, you're going to bring somebody who's smarter and tougher than us to help us make sense of the last couple games. So Scott, brief uh, Jim on our feelings. We'll go game by game. Brief him while I get all these live streams going here. But brief him on our thoughts with the Seattle Seahawks and the LA Rams. So with the Seattle Rams game, we thought that the Rams are coming off that Arizona game, uh, tough game, uh, needed to win it, put all their eggs in that basket divisional matchup. I know this is a divisional matchup as well, but we think that Seattle is going to run the ball a little bit more to keep that Rams offense off the field. Uh, and we're picking Seattle at home with the seven and we're going under the point total. So your thoughts. Now, the Rams, their strength is their run defense. They're actually DVOA. They're number two against the run, and they're number seven against the pass. They're a little easier to pass on. Now, Ramsey being back certainly helps them. And Seattle's run blocking is bottom third of the league. And so the concern here is, yes, Carroll's going to want to run the ball, but can they run at L.A.? Now, you guys bring up a good point about last week's games, but I think the extra two days – I think that extra two days is an eternity of time. And so I think the motivations that impacted last week, I think they have less impact with those two extra days for players to rest, recover, and decompress a bit. Now, Seattle also is coming off of a huge, huge game. They beat the 49ers. And that game for them, and they have to win out. They're not going to win out. But to me, they had to really lay it on the line to beat them. So I think both teams had big games, but the Rams are no longer on a short week because that was that Monday night game they played. The short week factor gets thrown out the window here. Now, where you can get Seattle, Seattle is what we call a pass funnel defense. They're number nine against the run, but they're number 28 against the pass, and they get no pressure rate, bottom three pressure rate. So when you look at this game and the Rams, believe it or not, despite a couple bad games, they're number one at pass blocking. So Stafford, if the game plan is set up as McVeigh now have two extra days, he has to go in this game and say, look, they can't rush the passer. They can stone the run and they can't stop our receivers. To me, Matthew Stafford throws for 350 and three touchdowns in his sleep. Can Russ keep up? No Tyler Lockett. It's a huge loss. Yeah. Metcalf hasn't been playing well. Ramsey's played the slot a lot this season, but they only have one threat. My guess is they're going to put Ramsey on DK because there's nowhere else to send them. So, so my question would be, is Gerald Everett a, a good play tonight? So against the tight end, the Rams have been phenomenal. They're top four against tight ends. And I don't think Gerald Everett, other than some dump-off passes, has yes. the skill set to attack them. Right. 
That's the problem. If he was a dynamic tight end, which he hasn't shown to be, it's been mostly Russell Wilson dinking and dunking to him. And he had a horrible game a couple of weeks back when he fumbled at two, two weeks. It was a four yeah. He fumbled yeah. the ball. He had a second fumble. One almost cost him the game. I, I And I noticed last week, Everett's snap share went down and Disley's went up. There definitely was a punishment in place for that. It may be something that sticks because if Everett's going to put the ball on the carpet, his upside doesn't mitigate him from, you know, being on the sidelines. So you're looking at the Rams, like two touchdown win tonight, something like something that where. So one thing we have to consider is if the Seahawks view this as a playoff game, which it is for them. Yeah. When does Russell Wilson run? When he absolutely has to, right? Yeah. That's the wild card. If they come into this game with that mindset, Russ comes in and say, you know what? We have no chance unless I run. Because you know they're going to play the two-high shell. You know that already. That two-high shell is going to be there. Yep. Um, and But Russ, there's a lot of openings. If Russ wants to, he can run for 70 yards in this game. It's a matter of if he will. So, Josh, I would go after the Russell Wilson player prop having, having Jim just said that. Whatever okay. is rushing toll, I'd go to the over. Okay, so that. we'll put that on the spreadsheet. Yeah. So, Jim, all right? Uh I think Russell Wilson is going to wait until two, three seconds left on the play clock to snap the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Pete Carroll, right, is going to be stubborn like Hoffman. I remember being at the bar one time, blowing up to some stranger. And we both left at the same time watching Coughlin with bad running backs, bad offensive line, just continue to try to establish the running game. That's Pete Carroll. What he's going to do. He's going to try to put it on the defense. Uh, I said it earlier on the podcast that I think Stafford's going to have to have his flat checking on. He's an older quarterback. He's going to take some late hits. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to get beat up, up and down the field, right? Because Pete Carroll's going to put it on the refs to call uh, defensive interference on him. And he's been battling and he's been calling out the refs on purpose uh, to the league office and in the press on purpose. And it's manipulation and intimidation. So Cooper Cup's going to get pushed around. Second time they played. That's why we're going under 47. And we like the plus seven and a half with your Seattle Seahawks. Uh, three-time uh, college football champion, two-time NFL uh, Super Bowl, one-time NFL winner. And uh, McVay hasn't proven that he's not up-coached yet by these older guys as he lost the Super Bowl to Belichick and uh, different losses he's had this year. What are your thoughts on that one before we go to the next game? I have nothing that you hit, you hit the nail on the head. I've got nothing more to add. I think you hit the nail around the head with that makes perfect sense to me. I I will say, I think the Rams have a real shot to win this division over Arizona right now. They definitely do. Cause I think Arizona might lose to the Colts Saturday night, which would put them behind the Rams possibly if the Rams can come up with tonight and uh, in Sunday. So Arizona's biggest problem right now is Deandre Hopkins is out. He's yeah. the only player the defense had to account for in a specific way. Now, at this point, they're good players, but there's nothing special on any of the receivers or running backs. Therefore, teams don't have to play them in any special manner. So it's a huge disadvantage, and they, they, they're in big trouble against Indianapolis because Indianapolis has really been coming on defensively, but not having to worry about DeAndre Hopkins. Just the threat of him. He hasn't been great this season when he was playing, but just the threat of him, it shapes how the defense has to approach them. 
Yeah, past performance is not indicative of a future result, but uh, Clingsbury has never had a winning season as a coach, either in college or in the pros, and his teams usually lose the last four or five games of the season. And then the devil's always in the details, right? Me as a business concierge, I tell all my clients, if you're going to dress down one of your employees, don't do it in public. So when he dressed down and went after DeAndre Hopkins in public, I'm like, this guy's not good with details. He's not getting good advice from a management standpoint. And in the NFL, when things are tight and you're playing a guy opposite of that, is, which is right, where he's going to have every single deep. And I'm always very impressed with the Colts defensive coordinator. You know, Eberflus. Yes, he does a great job with details. So it's a coaching mismatch. Next game, we don't understand why Washington is up to plus eight and a half, plus nine. Uh, regardless where the quarterback is out, I look at this the same as I look at the Cleveland uh, Raiders game. Backup quarterback, conservative coaches, uh, Tomlin type of guy and Rivera, right? They were going to make the other team make a mistake. We're not going to make mistakes ourselves, and we're going to. It's going to be a battle of attrition, similar <laughs> to what Denver and Cincinnati was. So we like the under forty-two, and double-digit dogs in the division historically cover eighty percent of the time. This year's around fifty-two percent of the time. We like heavy dogs in the division. The Jets are a good example of that this week. Uh, we like Washington plus nine now. Under 41, as we think is going to be a slugfest. What are your thoughts, Jim? Yeah, it certainly could be. The COVID outbreak on Washington is significant because they are without their best run blocker, Brandon Sheriff, the right guard. They're without their center, Tyler, Tyler Larson. Those are two critical factors that they're without. And on the defensive side of the ball, they're not unscathed either. They're missing a number of depth players, three backups. But in addition to the backups, they're missing left corner Kendall Fuller and their free safety Cameron Curl. So this has really hit them. And then obviously we already have the injuries. We're not sure yet if Ricky Seals Jones is playing a tight end and we also know JD McKissick and Curtis Samuel are out they're down to a third string quarterback here and unlike we mentioned yesterday when we saw that the Browns had that I don't know if there's ever been a better third string quarterback than Nick Mullins I mean he's a legitimate backup for a team he was a third string yeah. Garrett Gilbert I saw Garrett Gilbert play last year with the Cowboys no bueno uh, very, very nerve-wracking here. So, Philly, here's the thing. With the two offensive linemen down, Philly has an outstanding pressure rate, fifth highest pressure rate in the league. Two linemen down. Normally, we see a great pass-blocking line from the Washington football team. They're a top-three pass-blocking team. But without those two players, it gets a little problematic. Um, that said, they're going to hope Antonio Gibbs could get some traction in the running game. Philly is number 15 against the run. So you can run on them. And as you're saying, Josh, that's going to be the modus operandi. They're going to have to run the ball because they don't want their third string quarterback throwing the ball. And that is going to be problematic. They're going to have to get production out of that running game. Do you, do you see Slay, Shadow, and McLaurin all over the place tonight? There's no alternative. Yeah. Unless – I mean, there is no alternative. There's nobody else to defend. There's zero. Uh, right. DeAndre Carter is a fine little player, but they're not worried about him. Adam Humphreys is a slot guy. Uh, so I, to me, it would be irresponsible to not put Slay on McLaurin. Agreed. And, Agreed. You know, so, and, and I tell you what, 
they could play, they may, they may play some cover one, cover zero, and they may just load up the box. Yeah, that's I mean, what I don't I know why thinking. they wouldn't. That's what I was thinking. That, that they're gonna just say, all right, Gilbert, beat us if you can. So this is Scott Turner, right? So similar to Callahan yesterday in Shanahan. Shanahan, I remember reading in an article that he doesn't care if you stack the box. He has a play for that. You got to think the nerve in Scott Turner, right? Lineage, 50 years of football, pass plays, running plays for a stack box. Gilbert threw the ball a lot in college, but this is Rivera, right? So this is going to be a slugfest. Getting close up to 10. Now, uh, we'll close with this, Jim, because I know you have to go. Uh, there's almost $2 billion handle in New Jersey. Philadelphia's in New Jersey. It's almost up to 10. So there's a lot of money on the Eagles. Double-digit dog in the division is almost automatically Washington. 13-3, mm -hmm. uh, we push. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 13-6, uh, we win. We win both sides of the bet. Uh, I like this a lot. And, and, and then Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts still can be defenses uh, in Alabama and Oklahoma. He was thrown to wide open receivers, whether it was Devontae Smith or C.D. Lamb. Now he has to read defenses. He can get more stuff done with his legs, but Gilbert can run too. I don't see it as a huge quarterback advantage. Uh, I, li I like Jack Del Rio, Rivera, Norb Turner, Scott Turner in this situation against a very, very young Nick Sacriani and his staff. Now, we'll add in a couple things here. Philly offensively, they're going to – their strength in this game, or advantage, does not play to Washington. So you're correct in that. Washington's a bottom five pass defense, and Jalen Hurts is a passer. You're right. He may not be able to take advantage of that. Washington has been very good against the run all season. But now standing, they're like seventh – their top seven run defense. Now, the injuries they have – not injuries, the COVID – that's not really impacting their run defense. It's more pass defense where they're already weak and Hertz may not be able to take advantage of that. Um, and so that's the conundrum they're going to have because they are manipulating numbers with Hertz as a running quarterback and with the scheme they have their, the running backs have been successful lately because of that. And, right. but that said, Washington's strength is the run. And so I do see a scenario where Philly can't score a lot of points here because basically if, the quarterback Jalen Hurts can't take advantage of it. It's problematic. Jalen Hurts tend to play better when they're trailing. When they're playing with the lead, the team's very conservative offensively. So you may be onto that because they're Philly's not going to play into this game unless they have to from a passing perspective. So this could be very low scoring. Yeah, I think if Washington puts 10 up tonight, I think that that the under Devlin will hit. I think the spread will hit too, because I don't see Philly putting up 24-27 tonight against Washington especially where they want to run the ball 65 to 70% of the time, as Jim said. So if they're going to run the ball a lot, that plays right to Washington's strength. So, so Hertz may have to pass it to Goddard and to Smith to open up the running game. So. All right. So we're 18 and 11 going into the four games today. Things have gotten crazy. We needed a little help. We're not too prideful to ask for help. <laughs> so thank you, Jim, for helping us with that. Close out. Hopefully we close out at 67, close to 70% this week with your help. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy, Happy Merry Christmas, Jim. Merry Christmas. Always.
Winston Churchill, you make a living from your labor, but you make your life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the SBC Podcast Network. That's why this fund cost us eight hundred dollars, and that cost two hundred. And I don't know what that cost. I'm just shitting the work. That's why I'm wearing boots and shoes and roll my butt, and I got a limousine stuck out there a mile.